Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. All right, man. Exciting today, right? Week two, come on. Awesome stuff. Week two of awkward conversations. Everybody say awkward conversations. We'll get more to that in just a minute. But man, it's so exciting to be in this room once again. It's getting a little bit more comfortable. You're getting a little more comfortable kind of figuring out kind of everything and how things are going to flow. And it is so exciting to just see what God is doing as we're growing together as a church family. There's so many people that I would love to just say thank you for making it possible that we could be in this room today. But I don't have time for all of that. But I just want to say, man, God is on the move here at LifeGate. And it's amazing amazing to be a part of it. And here's the thing, like it would be really easy to just kind of go, hey man, we made it. We're in the new building. We have arrived. This is the finish line. But I got news for you today. This ain't the finish line. It's just the starting line. Everybody look at your neighbor. Tell them just the starting line. We may be in a new building, but we got the same vision, changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And God wants to use us to make a difference in our community. And one of the ways you can do that is to invite somebody to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeGate. And there are so many great opportunities to do that that are coming up over this next few weeks. Two weeks from today. Everybody say it. Two weeks. Two weeks from today, our grand opening celebration. I'm telling you what, we are going to party, y'all. I'm telling you, we have invited the entire community, 50,000 mailers that are going to be going out that week to invite the entire community. We are challenging you to invite your friends and neighbors and relatives and everybody that you know to come and join us for that day. It's going to be an exciting celebration. And then the week after that is Easter, y'all. Everybody say Easter. Come on. Easter is on the weekend of April 20th and 21st, and we got four worship experiences for Easter for you to invite someone to, one on Saturday night, three on Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate the resurrection, and it's so exciting that we get to be a part of that. Starting a new series during that time called The Struggle Bus. How many have ever been on The Struggle Bus before? And we're going to talk about some of the struggles in life. Uh, a perfect opportunity for you to invite someone who maybe is going through some struggles in their life. We're going to hit some of the areas like marriage struggles and family struggles and relationship struggles and emotional struggles and faith struggles and some of those struggles that people deal with on a regular basis. And I just believe, come on, I believe this is just the beginning of a brand new season that God is doing here at LifeGate, right? I believe it with all my heart. So how many of you will help me by inviting someone in this next few weeks and this, all these things that are going on in this next few weeks? Now, some of you are not raising your hand and you're going, okay, I think somebody else will do that inviting because that just ain't me, man. That's too awkward. In fact, we've been kind of talking about that in this series. Some of you are like, man, I, I don't want to look like the dude on the video, right? And so I'll let somebody else invite or someone else talk about Jesus. And that's kind of what this series is about 
about is just this idea that one of the most awkward conversations, I mean, besides that, you know, asking a girl out for the first time or breaking up with the guy, you know, it's not you, it's me, you know, that kind of stuff, or talking to your kids about the birds and the, and the bees, along with those, one of the most awkward conversations that we face in life is this idea of sharing our faith with people, of inviting people to be part of the body of Christ. And so in this series, what we've been doing is just talking about a little bit, because I think deep down inside, I think we know that we should share our faith. I think we know that this is an important discussion, an important thing that we ought to do, sharing our faith with others around us. And, And here's what we learned last week is that this is at the very heartbeat of God, that God is calling lost sons and daughters to come back and to be part of his family. And yet, even though we know this, like it's so difficult, it's it's awkward to have these kind of conversations. So what we've been doing in this series is just acknowledging, yes, I know it's a struggle. Yes, I know like sometimes we're scared to have these conversations that it's difficult for all of us. And yet we've been challenging you, not putting any guilt, but just saying, hey, I believe that God is calling us to go into our community, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to people that we know and invite them to be part to bring them in to be part of what God is doing in his body and in his family. And so I want to continue that a little bit today. Last week, we started talking about why do we need to have these awkward conversations. Today, we're going to get a little bit more into the how. How are we going to do it? How are we going to begin to have these kind of conversations with people around us sharing our faith? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage in Luke chapter 5. I love this story of these guys who brought their friend to Jesus. So let's just take a look at it together. In Luke chapter 5 and verse number 17, it's on the screen. We can read it along together today. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this, they lowered, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I love this story. I mean, first of all, I love the extreme nature of the story. I mean, here's these guys. They have a friend who obviously cannot get to Jesus on his own. This guy is down and out. This guy is on the mat, literally. Some of you are like that. You're like, man, I know some people in my life who are, who are down and out. They're, they're struggling. Their life literally has them on the mat, whether it's a, a relationship that's broken or a marriage that's falling apart or an addiction that has them bound. Maybe it's a financial struggle or an emotional struggle or whatever it might be in their life. And it literally, life has them on the mat, literally down and out and cannot get up, cannot get to Jesus on their own. And here are these men, these friends of this man. It was literally on the mat and he can't get to Jesus on his own. So what do they do? They pick him up one on each corner of the mat and carry him 
to where Jesus is. I love this. I mean, just imagine this awkward conversation, right? All right, bro, bro, I know you're on a hospital bed here and I know you can't get up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick you up and carry you. Can you imagine what this dude was thinking? Can you imagine what these guys were thinking? I mean, literally they're thinking like, uh, we're going to pick him up, carry him to Jesus. Who knows how far of a walk it was? Who knows how, what the weather was like, you know, outside? Who knows how heavy this guy was? Like, bro, you need to lose a little weight. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to pick this guy up and carry him to where Jesus is. And I love that they decide nothing's going to stop us from getting our friend to where he can receive the healing. Imagine what it would be like if us as followers of Christ would look around in a community, in a world, in our friends and neighbors and people that we know that are struggling and down and out and on the mat. Imagine if we got this attitude that says, nothing's going to stop me from getting my friend to Jesus. I'm not just going to invite someone to church. Like I'm literally going to go by their house and be that stalker that says, I'm picking you up for grand opening service. Imagine what would happen. And here are these guys, not only do they pick him up and take him to the house where Jesus is, but then when they get to the house where Jesus is, there's literally no room in the house. Like they cannot get into the house. In fact, this is kind of what happens when Jesus shows up, people show up, right? When God shows up, people just come from all around and they get to the house and there's Jesus. They know if I can just get him to Jesus, like I know this guy's life will be changed, but now I can't get to where Jesus is because there's too many people. There's no room. There's no way to get him inside. So what did they do? They say, hey, sorry, bro. You know, I know we carried you this far, but you're just kind of out of luck. I mean, you're going to have to watch the live stream, you know, listen to the podcast. I mean, I'm sorry. That's not what they did. What did they do, man? It's extreme what they did. The Bible says they climbed up. Think about this. Put yourself in the story. They climbed up to the top of the roof and they began to peel the tiles away from the roof. And they took the guy on the stretcher and they lowered him down in front of where Jesus was. Think about that, y'all. I mean, think about when when on grand opening weekend here in a couple weeks, when you bring your friends to Jesus and you come and the place is so full that you can't get in, please do not go up to the top of the roof. (laughs) My brand new roof, y'all. Y'all don't even know how much that roof costs or how much work it took to get that roof on. Come on, to get this building in the dry. Don't be peeling away the roof, all right? And yet imagine what these guys were thinking. Like, we know that our friend is in need and we know that Jesus is the healer and we're not going to let anything get in our way. And imagine for a minute what the, what the guy who owned the house was thinking. <laughs> Wait a second, y'all. <laughs> That's my roof. <laughs> I paid hard money for that, hard-earned money for that roof. Can you imagine what they were thinking? And here's the deal, guys. Like, this is the kind of inconvenient stuff that happens when people start bringing people to Jesus. Come on. When God begins to do the work, when he shows up in the house and people begin to come from all around and lives begin to be changed, guess what? You're going to start showing up on Sundays going, where would all these people come from? And who's that sitting in my chair? In fact, some of you, we're only two weeks into this new building. You already got your chair picked out. And guess what? When we begin to be, we begin to be people who bring people to Jesus and their lives begin to be changed. We've got to be ready for the inconvenience, for the awkward, for the discomfort of it. If we're going to be people that God is going to use to change lives in a changing culture 
with the unchanging truth. So what I want to do is I want to look at this story for just a minute. And I just want to point out three things about this story, about how these men brought their friend to Jesus. Three things, three ways that you can bring people to Jesus as well. The first one is simply this. You just start by sharing your life. Everybody say, share your life. Here's the deal. Sharing Jesus, here's where it starts. It starts with sharing your life. It starts with building relationships. It starts with connecting with people. In fact, we have this saying around here at LifeGate that says, let's do life together. And that is really a part of who we are, part of the culture that we've tried to build here is that we don't just go to church together. Like we do life together. We have relationships and we connect and and we're friends and family with one another. And I love that about our culture. But what if we were to decide that's not just part of the culture of who we are as a church, but that, that, that we would decide that we're not going to just do life with one another, but what if we took that outside the walls of the church? What if we decided, man, I'm not going to just do life with my church friends, but I'm going to do life with people in the community and in the world around me with the intention that as I build a relationship with them, as I share life with my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers, I'm praying and I'm intentionally looking for opportunities that as I connect with others, I can use that connection to help share Jesus with those friends. In fact, I think this is kind of what was happening in our story. I mean, these guys must have been friends with this guy. I mean, they must have built enough of a relationship with the guy who was on the mat for him to trust them to pick him up and carry him to a house where Jesus was. It all started with connection. It all started with relationship. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. You ready for this? Build before you bring. Everybody say, build before you bring. Bill, before you bring, here's where it starts. I build relationship with people before I ever bring them to Jesus. I begin with just a connection. I'm going to share my life with people, but not just share it with them, just to be buddies with them, but intentionally in my heart saying, who are the people in my life? Who are the people that God has put around me that I could connect with, that I could love on, that I could build a relationship with so that when the opportunity comes, I'm able to open up and not just share my life, but share my faith with those people. That's where it starts. In fact, I like what one, one pastor says, he says, invest and then invites. I'm going to invest in relationships. I'm going, to, I'm going to pour into people and connect with people. I'm going to build before I bring. One pastor says it like this. He says, barbecue first. <laughs> and basically, this is what he's saying. He's saying, the best way to reach people for Jesus is not to just go to complete strangers. It's not to just stand on the corner with a megaphone yelling, turn or burn, y'all. <laughs> the best way is to start with relationships. Barbecue first. Hey, just connect with the neighbor. Just connect with the coworker. Just connect with that family member. Invite them over for barbecue or to watch football. Build relationships so that when the opportunity comes, as you are praying for that opportunity, when it comes, then you're able to open up and share Christ with them. In fact, I love what Paul says in Colossians 4 and verse 5. Look what he says. He says, when you are with unbelievers, always make what? Make good use of the time. 
Be pleasant and hold their interest when you are speaking the message. Choose your words carefully and be ready to give answers to anyone who asks the questions. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, I'm just going to connect myself with people in my community that don't know Jesus Christ or do not have a church family. And when I am with them, I'm always going to be looking for the opportunities that when the opportunity arises and as I am praying and then they begin to speak up, then I'm able to communicate what God has done in my life to them. In fact, this is what Jesus did. Like over and over and over, you see Jesus, he shared his life with people who didn't believe the same way that he believed. So much so that the Pharisees accused him of of being a friend of sinners. Now, when they said that, they were saying it as an insult, but Jesus took it as a compliment. Yeah, that's right. I came to give my life for these people who do not yet know me. And he built relationship with them. In fact, you study Jesus. He preached far less in churches and in synagogues than he did in streets and, and in people's homes. In fact, you see it over and over. He'd go to people's houses, to Matthew and to Zacchaeus. He went to their house. He built relationship. He did barbecue first with them with the intention of when the opportunity came, he could speak the words of life into them. He didn't let those relationships drag him down, but instead he spoke life into those relationships. How am I going to share my faith when the conversations are so awkward? Here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to share my life. So everybody say, share my life. (laughs) Number two, here's what we're going to do. You're going to share your church. You're going to share your church. You start by having relationships with people, and then you invite them to be part of your church family. In fact, this is what happened with this story. Here are these guys. I mean, they built a relationship with this guy, but then when the guy was hurting, when the opportunity came and they saw the guy was hurting, what did they do? They took him to the house where Jesus was. Guess what? The modern day house where Jesus is, guess what that is? That's the church. When we come together to worship on Sunday mornings, what happens? The presence of God is here. The presence of Jesus is in this house. And the presence of Jesus has the power to change lives. And if Jesus is in this place, then why wouldn't we want to bring everybody that we know to experience him? And how do we share our faith? We just share our church with people. And here's the good news. People are ready for it. They're open to it. In fact, there was a survey that was taken a few years ago that goes like this. The recent poll says 63% of people who do not attend church on a regular basis said they would come to church if someone just invited them. Did y'all get that? Six out of ten. Six out of ten of your friends, neighbors, family members, relationships that you have. If you invited ten of them, six of them would take you up on the offer and come to church. It's not as hard as you think. In fact, we try to make it easy here at LifeGate. In fact, this is why we do church the way that we do it. It's why I dress the way that we dress. It's why we worship the way that we worship. It's why we do things the way that we do. We want to make a comfortable environment that any Sunday you could invite a friend. And when they come, even if they don't know anything about church, they would feel comfortable in the environment. In fact, that's why almost every Sunday, it's almost exactly the same way service is laid out. And almost the same thing happens just nearly every week because we want it to be a safe and consistent place so that when you're inviting your friends, you're not thinking, okay, is this a week that I can invite them or is this the week that they're going to get weird? Come on, right? (laughs) Some of y'all are like, pastor's weird every week. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Maybe so, but at least I'm consistent, right? So that every week, and there are certain weeks that are better to invite than others maybe. Like we've been challenging you to invite people on the grand opening and Easter and things like that. But let me just give you a little bit of a secret. Any Sunday at LifeGate is a good Sunday to invite someone to church. In fact, we have made it that way so that when, when you invite them, you can feel like, hey, it's going to be safe. It's going to be consistent. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be able to worship with, with my friend there. That any week you could invite someone and six out of ten of them would come if you just if you just opened your mouth oh it's awkward the conversation is difficult and awkward in fact let me just tell you this some of you think that this series that we've been doing is about people in the community and yes it is but it's not just about them you know it's about it's about you it's about growing in your faith in fact my job as a pastor is to challenge you in ways that will help you to grow in your faith and I'll tell you nothing will cause your faith to grow than when you invited someone to church I'm telling you, you're going to come in on that Sunday, and on the Sunday when you're sitting next to the person that you invited, you're going to see church way different. Instead of seeing it for what did I want, and why didn't they sing my favorite songs, and why is the pastor telling that story again, and I don't like this or like that, you know what you're going to be seeing it through? You're going to be seeing it through that friend's eyes. What do they need to hear? Instead of it being about you, it'll be all about them. And I'll tell you, when you invite someone and they're sitting next to you in that seat next to you in church, your prayer life's going to go through the roof, y'all. Because you're going to be praying, Lord, don't let him say something that will embarrass me. <laughs> you know what you're really going to be praying? God, speak to my friend. Let my friend come to relationship with you. And you know when that happens, when they raise their hand and they pray that prayer and they become a part of the family of God, I'm telling you, your faith is going to go through the roof. You're going to be like, that was the best Sunday ever, best sermon ever, Pastor. Why? Not because of what it spoke to you, because of what God used through you to do something in your friend's life. See, it's not just about reaching people in our community. It's about you growing in your faith as well. How do we have these awkward conversations? We start by just sharing our life, building connections, relationships, investing in people, then inviting them to be a part, to share our church. But then notice number three, here's what we do is we share our story. In fact, look at our text again. These guys share their life with the man who is on the mat. They pick him up, they bring him to where Jesus is, and then the man is healed. But then look what Jesus says to the man who is healed. Look what he says in verse 24 and verse 25. He says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Now I want you to see three things that Jesus says to the man that is healed. First, he says this, he says, get up. Everybody say, get up. He says, get up. In other words, what is he saying? Hey, you were on the mat. You were down and out. But now you've had an encounter with Jesus and your life is changed. So don't keep living the way that you lived before. Get up. Imagine, imagine if the guy that had been, that that had been before Jesus had not got up off the mat, but then he starts telling everybody about Jesus and what Jesus can do, but he's still laying down on the mat. Everybody's going to be looking at him going like, you tell me about what Jesus can do, but I don't see it in your life. And how many people, this is the way that we, that we live. But we, we share Christ with people, but we're not living out the life. In fact, I know that there are times when there's more damage done by people who share all oh, their scripture on their Facebook in the morning and then that evening, the pictures of how they're out doing all the stuff that they're doing and 
Come on, let me just, let's just get this sunk down inside. Before you share Jesus, make sure you are showing Jesus in the way that you live. In fact, I like this story I heard one time about Joan of Arc. She was invited to a, uh, to a gathering at the king's palace. And the king decided that he was going to try to trick her. And so he dressed a peasant up in king's clothes. And he dressed himself in peasant's clothes. And when Joan of Arc showed up, she went to go kneel down to the king. But she recognized immediately that that wasn't the king. And she began to search out the crowd. And she found the king who was dressed up in peasant's clothes. And the, the king said, how did you know that that was not me, that this was me? And Joan of Arc looked straight at the king and said, you can't hide nobility. And let me just tell you something. If Jesus is really inside of us, if we are really sons and daughters of the king, it will show in the way that we live. You can't hide it. It will shine through us to people around us. Jesus says to the man, before you go out and share your faith with others, you get up off the mat. You stop living the life that you were living before you came to me. You begin to show it in the way that you live. Get up. And then look what he tells them to do. He says, don't just get up. But then he says, take your mat. Now think about this. What did the mat represent for the guy? It represented his whole life. It represented his pain. It represented his struggle. It represented, it represented where he was before he came to Jesus. And notice this. Jesus doesn't say, get up, leave your mat, and then go tell everybody about me. No, what does he say? He says, get up and take your mat with you. In other words, he said, you're not lying on the mat, but I don't want you to leave the mat there. I want you to take it with you because that's going to be your greatest tool to bring others to me. See, people are going to see that mat and they're going to see, man, that was the guy who was laying on the mat. That mat had become his identity. But when he came to Jesus, Jesus changed his life. He changed. He transformed his identity. But Jesus says, don't leave that in the past. Take that with you so that you can share it with others that need to hear the story. In fact, let me just tell you, your greatest tool for sharing Jesus is your story. All you do is, you you know, being a witness means like you think about, you know, the Bible says we should be witnesses. You know what a witness is uh, in a court case? It's just someone who gets on the stand and tells everyone what they saw. You know what a witness is as a follower of Christ? It's just someone who stands up and tells everyone what they have seen Jesus do in their life. Your story. People can argue with the scripture. They can argue with the sermon. They can't argue with your story. And some of you got some stories of what God has done. Man, before I came to Jesus, I was broken. Before I came to Jesus, I was addicted. Before I came to Jesus, like my life was, was I was filled with anger and filled with bitterness and filled with pain. Before I, before I came to Jesus, I was, I was doing drugs or I was drinking alcohol or I was drinking and smoking and chewing and going with girls who do. You know, like before I came to Jesus, my life was a mess. But when I came to him, oh, it wasn't perfect, but he began to change me from the inside out and as you share your story with others others are drawn in in fact you know what others are going to do they're going to go you know what me too like my life is the same like I went through a divorce or I was hurt by a person or I lost a child or I was disillusioned with the church or whatever it might be they will relate and connect to that story as you pick up your mat you take the mat with you and then look what he says number three your letter C he says, go home. Everybody say, go home. Go home. Where does he tell him to go? He tells him to go back to the place where he knew people and where they knew him. Those same people 
that had seen this man laying down on a mat. Now they're going to see him as he comes walking in carrying that mat underneath his arm. And you know what? They're going to say, wow, what happened to you? Look at the change that has happened in your life. And you know what God is calling every single one of us to do? He's calling us to get up, to let God change our life, and then to take our story, our testimony, our mat with us, and go back to people that we know and people that know us and show them what God has done through us. And then look what he does. It says he goes home praising God. When he gets home, what does he do? He's not just saying, hey, look at me, guys. You know what he says? He says, hey, look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus has done in my life. See, the truth is, is that all of us know people. People that are like this man. They're down. They're hurt. They're struggling. They're on the mat. Their relationship, their marriage, their lives, their finances, whatever, is falling apart. They can't get to where Jesus is. We know that there's a healing for them, but they can't get there on their own. In fact, all of us that are here as followers of Christ today, we're only here because somewhere, somewhere, someone along the way picked us up and brought us to where Jesus is. And how do we do it? It's simple. We just share life. We just do life with people. And as we're doing that, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to be aware. We're going to be ready. Just like the scripture told us that when the opportunity comes, then we're going to be prepared to speak, to share. We're going to share our church. We're going to invite people to where Jesus is. We're going to share our stories with others. And as we do, guess what's going to happen? God's going to use us to change the life of others. But you know what else is going to happen? God is going to begin to change us as well. In fact, I, I'll close with this verse. I love what Paul says in, in Philemon chapter 4 and verse 6. Look what he says. He says, I pray that you, this is my prayer as a pastor for you and for me. I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. So that, everybody say, so that. So that. This is why I want you to share your faith. This is why I'm praying this. This is why we are preaching this. So that you will have full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Look at this. He says, I'm praying that you would share your faith, not just so the people would hear and so their lives would be changed. I'm praying that you would share your faith so that your life can be changed too. So that you would have understanding of what the fullness of what God has done inside of you. Nothing will build your faith like sharing your faith. And I've seen it to be true in my own life. Man, I've, I've had times, I remember when we first started the church. And those times when I'd be discouraged and I'd be down. But then an opportunity would come to share our story. To tell what God had done. And I don't know what it did for the person that I shared it with, but I know what it did for me. When I walked away, my faith was built. I was encouraged. I was challenged to continue to live out the life that God had for me. And that's what, that's what I want for you as your pastor. Not just that we'd go into a world and share and invite people to church. Yes, I want to see that happen. But even more than that, I want to see you growing in your faith. And some of you say, well, I just don't have enough understanding. I don't know enough Bible verses or I don't know exactly what to say. But look what Paul said right there. He says, as you share, here's what's going to happen. You're going to then begin to have full understanding. You don't need to have all the verses and all the stuff. As you share your story, God's going to open your eyes and he's going to open your hearts and you're going to experience him in a way that you've never experienced him before. 